InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. How often have you said, I wish I had more time? It seems to be a universal question. There never seems to be enough hours in the day. But our next guest blows that thinking out of the water. Laura Vanderkam is a journalist and an author, and she's written 168 hours. You have more time than you think. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. By the way, the title 168 hours refers to the number of hours in a week, which to me sounds like a lot of hours. Laura, is that part of your approach here to change the way we think about time? It is. You know, it's funny. People say 24-7 all the time, and no one ever multiplies it through. And I think that that's interesting that we don't, but it's very important that we start thinking that way. Because 168 hours, one week, gives us a far better picture of our time. You know, if you think of your time as what's happening on a crunched Monday or Tuesday, you think of your life in a different way than if you consider, well, I also have my evenings, I have my weekends. How do I want to be spending that time as well? The numbers I always do for people is, you know, in 168 hours in a week, even if you're working 50 hours and you're sleeping 8 hours a night, so that's 56 hours a week, that still leaves 62 hours for other things. That's a lot of time. It's more time than you're working. So the question is, where do those hours go and if we can use them in the best way possible? I've heard people use the idea of limited time, though, as a motivator. In other words, it makes you get things done rather than put them off. So is there a risk in telling people they have a lot of time and that they might uh, waste time and not be productive? Well, I think we already waste quite a bit of time. <laughs> well, that's true. How would we, we be able to do much more? You know, I think that it helps to be aware of time. Most of us have absolutely no idea how we're spending our 168 hours. I mean, the fact that we don't even know that there are 168 hours in a week right there suggests that we are not quite clear on how we're spending them. What I ask people to do is just be mindful of it. I don't mean that we should schedule every minute. I don't mean that we should stop doing things like watching television. I just want people to be aware of where the time goes and if it's going to the places they want it to be going. So this is about maybe finding time to do what you want to do rather than maybe what you have to do. It is. I ask people to really think about what they want to have in their 168 hours. Because the truth is, time management isn't just about trying to save five minutes here and there, you know, only doing errands in a way where you make right turns so you don't have to wait for lights, for instance. I mean, that'll save a few minutes, but, you know, what's the point if you're in the wrong job, for instance, or if you're not spending your home life in a way that's nurturing your family and leaving enough time for you to nurture yourself as well? So really think about what you want to have there in your 168 hours and then the rest of life can fill in around that one of the interesting chapters in your book is titled the new home economics about how things have changed regarding the home could you talk about that yeah well this was one of the most fascinating chapters for me to write because i actually came at this material originally from the social science angle i mean i didn't start out to be this time management guru i was actually writing about the social science of how americans spend their time now and in the past and one of the most interesting parts of it is that women these days spend a lot more time working for pay than they did 40 or 50 years ago, right? We know that for sure. We also know that parents are not spending any less time with their children now than they were in the 1950s and 60s. Many people do not know that, but it's true when you look at time diaries from all these different eras. Hmm, interesting. Um, and so the question was, well, how did that happen? How is it that women have managed to start working a lot more for pay and yet have not lost time with their kids? And the answer is that they're not doing housework. <laughs> I mean, they're not doing 
much at all compared to what women did in the 1950s and 60s. And so this chapter is about the changing ways that American moms and dads have decided to spend their time from the sort of Ozzy and Harriet era to now and how parenting has changed as well. And I think it's actually a pretty good thing that parents are spending more time interacting with their kids and less time vacuuming the rug. I think that's a positive thing. You have another chapter titled Controlling Your Calendar. Is this about basically not letting others control your time but letting you control it? Exactly. Controlling your calendar is about what happens during your work hours. This is a little bit of a harsh love chapter, if you want to put it that way, because a lot of what people do during their work hours is not actually advancing them towards the career they want. It's not advancing their organization, making it more profitable or doing more good in the world, whatever you're trying to do. People get very excited about things like, oh, well, my email inbox is all empty now, or I had three meetings today and they're all done, so therefore I've done something. But the question is, well, did the world change from the beginning of the meeting to the end of the meeting? Did anything happen by the fact that you got through your emails? Did you do anything to advance your career, advance your organization? And so I tell people to try as much as possible not to have anything on your work calendar that isn't doing those things, advancing you, advancing your organization, because otherwise you're just really wasting time. And, and so that's hard because we do like to spend a lot of our work hours doing things like answering our emails, and it gives us a sense of satisfaction to see an empty inbox, but it really is not the same thing as getting things done. I'm curious in your research, did you find when you asked people what they didn't have time to do, was there a pattern that people were missing certain areas of their life or letting certain areas of their life be unfulfilled? Well, there are certain things that everyone puts on their list of things I would do if I only had more time, right? And these are things like read for pleasure or exercise. People say they'd read with their kids, they'd play with their kids more. I try to make the case to people that we really do have time for these things. It's a matter of, there's 168 hours in a week. That's a lot of time. You can reprioritize from one thing to another. You know, the easiest place to find time, for instance, is often the hours we're watching television, the hours we're surfing the web, maybe time we're, we're doing housework that perhaps could have been done to maybe some lower standards, uh, you know, hours we're running errands and things like that. If you can find a way to spend less time on these things, then you will find space to do the higher value things first. So, you know, instead of saying, well, someday maybe I'll read, just say, well, I have 15 minutes right now, I'm going to pick up a book. And you do that enough, you'll get through the book. Our guest is Laura Vanderkam, and she is the author of 168 Hours, You Have More Time Than You Think. Laura, I think all of us know at least one person that we kind of admire because they seem to be able to get everything done and they just seem to have the perfect life. Is it possible to have it all, to get everything done and to be completely fulfilled? I guess that's the ideal in your book, right? That is the ideal. I mean, I'm not sure if anyone is completely fulfilled and has no bad days whatsoever, but certainly many of the people I interviewed for 168 hours have very full personal and professional lives. I mean, one of the women I profiled in the first chapter runs a million-dollar business and has six children and yet seem very not carried. We believe that anyone who had that much on their plate, you know, a managing 12 employees, six kids, would just be pulling her hair out, and yet she wasn't. She was finding time to be in a book club. She was going on hikes. I mean, she really had a life that sounded pretty relaxed. And so I really wanted to learn 
how it was that people like this managed to do so much in their time when the rest of us are running around saying, I just don't have time to read, I don't have time to get to the gym. That's the central question of this book, is how do some people do so much with their time while the rest of us seem to be running around like chickens with our heads cut off? (laughs) Well, you have, it says here, two young children, and you have written two books, and that would tell me that you're pretty well organized to find time. Well, I try to do what I can. Certainly, I learned a lot while writing 168 Hours. One of the reasons I came at this book is, as a new mom, people were telling me that I wouldn't have time to exercise, to sleep, possibly even to shower. And that sounded a little disturbing to me, so I set about to research this time crunch. But, you know, a couple things happened. First, as I started interviewing these people who did so much with their time and realized that, in fact, it was possible. And then second, I sort of looked at my own life and realized, well, you know, things are difficult sometimes, but, you know, often I am getting what I want to get done, done. And so maybe if you pause and look at just how much time there is, you can find space for anything that really matters. You just have to not be busy with stuff that doesn't matter. One thing that seems to appeal to a lot of people, Laura, kind of comes under the title of simplifying your life. How valuable is that for finding more time? I guess that really helps you find more time, doesn't it? It does. I mean, there's no point spending time on things that are not meaningful or fulfilling for you or the people you care about. So, you know, rather than have your kids in six activities, maybe one or two that they really enjoy would be better, and then they can focus on getting better at those things, and then you have less running around in the car. At work, for instance, it's better to focus on a smaller number of projects that your boss thinks are really important rather than trying to be all over the map doing things that no one actually cares about. It's when we spend time on these things that are not moving us forward that we start to feel busy, we feel harried, we feel like we're pulled in 10 directions at once. You know, I tell people that the most successful people I interviewed really spend their time on three things. They spend it on nurturing their careers, they spend it on nurturing their families and their close friends, and they spend it on nurturing themselves. And by that, I mean getting enough sleep and exercise and focusing on personal passions like volunteering or their spiritual lives. And when you only spend time on those three things um, and you try to ignore or minimize or outsource everything else, you'll find that there's actually a lot of space within 168 hours. Well, the book is 168 Hours. You have more time than you think. Laura Vanderkam is the author, and the website is my168hours.com. My168hours.com. Laura, thanks so much for joining us on InfoTrack. It's a fascinating topic. Well, thank you for having me. I hope this has been a help people get some more out of their time. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. A production of Syndication Networks.